Hello, welcome to Riot Act Reviews, part of the Riot Act podcast, the alternative music podcast, the podcast that reviews albums sometimes. That's what we're about to do right now. Hello, my name's Stephen Hill. Nice to see you. Nice to, well, nice for you to hear me, I should say, because you can't see me unless you're watching this on our YouTube channel. And then I still can't see you, but it's yeah. nice for you to see me, although I'm quite hungover, so hence why the rambling fucking nonsense. You just look the same, to be honest. You do look exactly the same as you look when... You're not hungover. Hello, I'm Renfrey Devon, by the way. Yes, Renfrey's here as well. Good, yes. Oh, thanks, Renfrey. I mean, I don't know if that's a compliment or you're saying that you just always look like a sort of dishevelled mess of a person. I'd say it's neither here nor there. Okay, let's get on with it. (laughs) We're going to be reviewing an album. That's what we like to do on this particular part of the podcast. We focus in on an album that's come out recently that we are passionate about and we wish to talk about today on this episode. We're going to be looking at the fifth studio album from the Californian singer-songwriter Emma Ruth Rundle. The album is called Engine of Hell. (sighs) So necro. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not that, is it? Yeah, you can't you can't imagine like Dark Throne releasing a record called Engine of Hell or something along those lines. Absolutely, yeah. but yeah, no, yeah. this is far, probably far wouldn't away sound like that. this, would it? No. So this is the follow up to the On Wild Horses album from 2018, an album which was in both of our top ten albums of that year, I yeah. believe. I believe you've just done a uh, you've just mixed it up with Rolling Stone song Wild Horses because I think it was on Dark Horses, but yes, indeed it was. What did I say? You said on Wild Horses. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes, you're right. I did. Bloody hell. Steve's okay. hungover, I should probably I'm point hungover. out. Hungover. <laughs> That's what I feel like this is the follow-up to, although she has done a lot of stuff. She's not just been sitting around since 2018. She's done a lot of stuff including I probably get the name of this wrong. May all our chambers be full with thou uh yeah i think that is yeah that was the title yeah there was the album and <laughs> there was the album and the ep the collaboration with mm. oh sludge hardcore tinged metal of that band thou i mean thou are all sorts of things really aren't they yeah. but um that was an album to all sorts of people to all sorts of people that was an album that I, I we both liked very much i think i liked it more than you did um, you definitely like that more than me, a lot more yeah, than me. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But then the EP came out and, you know, you, th- you were like, oh, the EP's amazing. So, yeah. The EP is way, for me, is way, like, is way more what I wanted that to be, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, for me, they're on a fairly even keel and I, okay. I love them both, but yeah. That's fine. You can think that. I okay. Yes, I can. I, I, but I, I really liked On Dark Horses because... I thought it was this really brilliant mix of stuff, which again, I think we did it when we spoke about Mole and we were saying, no, it's not actually that complicated of a melting pot of stuff really, but essentially kind of alternative singer songwritery choruses that really stuck in your head. Like I thought there's a lot of stuff on that particular record, which stayed with me. She has an incredible a way. Really long time. She has an incredible way of the melody, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With an very, very expansive instrumentation and genuine darkness and melancholy. So, yeah. It felt like a kind of goth Joni Mitchell, but being backed by Mogwai. Yeah, there's. I would say that with each um, what I'm broadly going to call solo records, uh, each record released under Emma Ruth Rundle's name, um, she has been expanding the sound of each one. So, some Heavy Ocean was quite folky. 
um, but had a couple of band elements in it as well. And then Marked for Death became even fuller. And on Dark Horses, it really felt like she had a full band backing her the entire time. And um, there is a, a very signature sound and signature style to the way that Emma plays music in that it is usually drenched in reverb and it's very um, full sounding and you know there's there's large kind of shoegazy elements to it without it strictly being shoegaze and I suppose the first thing to say about Engine of Hell is um, that is not the case with this particular record the big thing that has changed on this particular album is the sheer intimacy of it and what I would call a very dry production there's mm. um i mean i read in a i think it was a guardian interview um that she even called it anti-production it's basically it f- sounds like someone's just set up a microphone or maybe a couple of mics in some cases it sounds like someone set up one microphone in a room and simply recorded these performances of these very very um very dark very open songs and that for 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 Emery's Rondo, I think that is a very different approach to take. Definitely, way more stripped down, and just resulting it's it's essentially her voice and a and other instrument for the entirety of most of the tracks. There is a little bit of cello on a couple of them alongside I either guitar or piano. I believe it's violin, but yes, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a let's call it a string bowed instrument. Mm-hmm. I think it's violin. Um, a lot of this album started on piano rather than guitar and um again i read that emma played a lot of piano as a child so she's sort of going back to that instrument for the first time in a long time some of it's on guitar as well but i'd say it's fairly equal piano and guitar one thing i noticed i mean it took me a little while to notice this but there isn't any percussion on this record no at all there isn't any and i I didn't even notice it until maybe the fifth or sixth listen to this album but there's there's nothing there's not a tambourine there's nothing there's no percussion at all it is really stark do you know if this is just her on this record because i was like can it just be her because i'm assuming obviously it's her voice i'm assuming it's her playing guitar and i'm assuming it's her playing piano the violin it doesn't appear to be anyone I don't know if she's playing that or not. I have no idea. But it doesn't appear to, from what I've seen of it, I can't seem to find personnel, any kind of personnel other than her. I don't know that for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised. I certainly am pretty damn certain that the guitar and the piano and obviously the vocals are all her. Um, And... That I mean, that is ninety-five percent of this record. I, I sort of said, you know, a bit when, more than that. Actually, yeah, yeah, probably seven percent. When I when I was talking about her previous records and things, I, I was sort of, you know, I said solo in sort of inverted commas kind of thing. But um, there are many things about this record that feel as solo as you could get it. I think. Um, I think that's probably some credit should go to the producer as well who uh sonny oh let's get that super quickly sonny de, per- de pieri saved at the last moment uh, saved just 
by the Bell. Yeah, saved by the Stephen yeah. Hill. Um, uh, yes, uh, and I'm sure some credit should go to him uh, because I mean, I feel like the 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 sheer amount of trust that you'd have to have in a producer to record songs like the this uh, would be mm. quite quite startling, really. Um, it, it, it's 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 incredibly stark and bleak. I think the photo, the the the, the cover of this album, which is a black and white image of Emma appearing sort of despondently or very in a melancholy manner into a mirror which is flecked with white powder. One assumes it would be cocaine or something along those lines. Tells you all you need to know, really, about the bleak world we're about to enter. Uh, it's not Buck Cherry, this is it. It ain't Buck Cherry. No, absolutely <laughs> not. It ain't Motley so Crue. All, all of you, you expecting Buck Cherry? Time yeah. to go, I'm afraid. Just because there's a bit of white powder on the on the album cover. Yeah. Um, it's a very and and certainly, you know, uh, there have been things that have come out. I mean, she's newly sober. Uh, I was reading in this Guardian article, and uh, she has had her struggles with addictions in the past, which has been spoken about in her in her work in the past so it's certainly um it feel it, i mean it's an immensely cathartic record and it, and it is very very bleak as well really really mm. bleak but really honest and truthful and just uh, about as naked as someone could get without actually taking their clothes off pretty much as as emotionally bare as as you could get um yeah i mean i i have to say to now get into the review of the record as we have sort of summed up the context for it i have to say you know i was excited about this record because i, I have liked you know i have liked everything that she's done that i've heard and i've loved most of it so i was really excited about this i was a little bit put off at first Were by you? the first time i listened to it because i was like Whoa. it's a big change it's a big change. This is yeah. this is a big change. This is a record which has very very little um, light or brightness to it at all. Well, if, if any, and I think you know lyrically, I was like, "Wow, this is um, like you say, it's it's dark and depressing." Is depressing the right word, Renfrey? I'm not sure depressing well, is actually the right word. It's dark and it is it's in a place of it's 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 somber and it appears to have no um it's not something that you go, Oh, there's on dark horses I felt towards the end of it. There's some you know, there's some dark shit in in dark in on dark horses, which I felt towards the end it didn't feel like beaten, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas this album, I was mm-hmm. like, there is, there's not a lot to get yourself sort of thinking, I oh, should be all right, you know, at the end of it. Well, there's, I mean, there's certainly, I, I think it's not only the starkness of the music that makes it seem really, really bleak, but also uh, the manner in which Emma is singing. So a lot of this album is um half sung half whispered some of it is sort of sighed out almost as if she is at her wits end and she physically just doesn't have the energy to um convey what she's trying to do or this is the last bit of energy that she's using to try and 
put this emotion across or put this song across now you could read that as a negative thing i mean for me i I think it is absolutely uh a startlingly incredible performance because it's there's you know these songs this we, we talk about capturing lightning in a bottle with um some records and most of these songs were recorded more or less live and that idea of a microphone or a couple of mics being set up and just letting her go and seeing what happens is a couple of minor overdubs but that is basically what you get you're getting what a lot of other musicians would see as a sort of demo recording or something like that but i think that's where the strength of these songs lie um we did a classic album on pj harvey quite recently and there's a few pj harvey things that i'm going to bring up with this album but she's actually quite recently uh been re-releasing all of her demos to all of her albums because there's a very stark quality Mm. to what pj harvey does in those demos and an album that this reminded me a lot of in particular was white chalk by PJ Harvey, which was released in 2007. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that record or not. but Yeah, you mentioned it when we did that. I've, I've actually not listened to it, no. It's a very, very slight, very um, bare, uh, gothically tinged album. Uh, very melancholy. Um, there are many things that line up with that album, this album. I would argue that this album is maybe even, even starker even more stark and even more bleak but um it, it, r- listening to engine of hell reminded me of white chalk a lot and white chalk is spoiler alert one of my favorite pj harvey albums so you know um i, I think intimacy is the key word here up to this point all of Emma's records have sounded really full and luscious even when they're melancholy they've been a really broad rich instrumentation on them but the starkness of these arrangements it is it's the closest you could ever get to a performer um over recorded output i think you know it almost it feels there are times where it feels like especially on headphones there are times where it feels like she's practically whispering some of the lyrics in your ear i think that is the production i've written down that the production on this when you've got either the guitar there's a few times where the guitar i think is a, a bit higher in the mix but it's like two you know when you walk up to a door and you open the door for someone you go to go through and they go oh and you go oh, oh, oh and they go after you and you go no after you no after you that's the production of this record uh, the, the vocals are going you you be louder and the piano is going no no you be louder and they both keep getting quieter and quieter and as someone who has endlessly banged on about spirit of eden on this podcast it took me a little while to go oh to kind of renegotiate my expectations for this this album i think is maybe that's when it starts getting good okay so i start enjoying it so you started and you weren't sure about it which is fair enough it's a bold uh Hmm. change in a new direction but like where have you gone with it now like because i I, just from conversations we had, I get the sense that you do like this record a lot. I do. Right? I really like yeah. it. I okay. think what I like it's that approach that 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 Mark Hollis that uh, holistic approach. Hey, hey, thank yeah. you. Um, That's you get paid to the, big bucks. the production and yeah, and like you say, I think PJ Harvey's a great shout. I think 
Tori Amos on mm. body really reminded ah. me of early Tori Amos, the slightness of it, the, the delicacy, um, not as in something you eat, but the delicate nature of it. And the piano is such a, you know, I thanks, guess... Thanks for review- clarifying that re-delicacy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the piano is such a dexterous instrument. And I think from years of doing rock and metal predominantly, mm. as you and I both have, yeah. You don't really think that much about the piano because it doesn't come up that much. Keyboards might, synth might. Sure. But piano rarely, rarely does. And I think what we've done over the last sort of 18 months or so is introduced a lot of times we've gone, and the piano, and Mm. the piano. Mm. And, you know, I think people initially, particularly people who like to listen to heavy music, would go, ah, the piano's good to come in and do a, 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 a melodic, you know, to give it a kind of, uh, a, a pretty bass you know people think of the piano as like a sort of pretty instrument but it's a very incredibly dexterous instrument and on body the bottom and the top of that keyboard that keyboard those keys piano. Mm, yeah the piano uh is is used so brilliantly because when it's quiet and delicate and light it's so quiet and it's so delicate and so light but then when you get to those top end ones and she's really something you, you bang away at those low notes and it gives this song, which is just a piano and a voice, such incredible dynamic range, mm-hmm. such beautifully, like, simple but perfectly realised dynamic range. So I love that song. I absolutely yeah, love it. I think it's brilliant. amazing. Um, Blooms of Oblivion has got a touch of the one-line drawing to it, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Oh, You know, I mean, I think... It's the one I'm drawing. Jonah tends to be fairly upbeat and positive. Yes, and so it's not that, but it's not. I mean, this is it's not an upbeat song in any way whatsoever. But I think the little stabs of acoustic guitar, the the vocal harmony. I think the vo- I've actually put the vocal harmony is a is a vocal line that Michael Stipe would be proud of writing because I think it's 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 that good and that's a brilliant song. The company has a vocal hook that reminds me of something Chris Cornell has done. It's driving me mad, right? Because well, obviously, yeah. the this does the, you know this does not sound like Soundgarden. This song, no, no, does not sound like Soundgarden. But it's not the k. It's the it's the cadence, not the tone or the style or the instrumentation or the delivery. But it's just something about the line. It really reminds me of something that Soundgarden have done and. And it's it's just her and an acoustic guitar, but it there's something of the Soundgarden about it, and I cannot put my finger on what song it is. I cannot fucking remember. I've been listening to it every time I listen to it. I'm like, that's a Soundgarden song. That's a bit. That's some sort of Soundgarden song, but just t- like absolutely boiled down to its base elements. Mm. And I don't know which one it is, but mm. um, yeah. And I mentioned Joni Mitchell, Razor's Edge. I think I've spoken a lot about how much of I'm a fan of Joni Mitchell through my mum. And I think like this is the sort of song that I think my mum would fucking love. Uh, I'll be dancing on the Rage's Edge just to feel this power. There's some proper, although it's dark and depressing, there's some proper like fire and brimstone on here about, you know, like the Last Supper. And it's really evocative of super dark shit yeah well i, d- really I don't great. i don't want to put interpretations on these on onto these songs and you know in case they're incorrect or anything like that but 
you know, Dancing on the Razor's Edge to me feels like it might be about sort of I'm constantly, uh, I suppose, constantly getting myself into situations which are very, very difficult and and difficult to navigate and i'm con i'm always like i mean there's one line on that um there's no need to check the weather as my winter never ends i mean it's really really yeah amazing low and despond and is very very really sad but i it's like Lyd- lydia in beetlejuice sounds like something she'd say isn't it? <laughs> Just, it? yeah but you know like we've discussed this before this is extreme music and it's not extreme music sonically but this is you know this is one of the heaviest albums of the year it's just not in a sonic way and sonically it's one of the lightest albums of the year but in terms of the themes and the weight of the way that emma is singing she sounds like she is living those songs as she's singing or certainly reliving the things um that she had to go through in order to write these songs and I, 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 I think it's just an absolutely astonishing piece of work. And I, I mean, for me, my initial impressions of the album were very, very different. I was really looking forward to this album a lot because I, I pretty much like everything Emma's, at least like everything Emma's done, if not love most of it, just like you. But when Return came in, and first of all, I was like, oh, it's no reverb. What? <laughs> you know, which I don't want to like say that's all she does with the sound, but there's been a lot of reverb in, in, in uh, Emma Ruth Rundle's sound in the past. And I, I instantly just thought it was a really beautiful, inc- like, it, it, there's a desperation in that song, like pining for some figure, for someone in her life to come back to her, I, which I just found utterly breathtaking and she uses falsetto in that uh so in uh, quite a few of these songs actually but it's a very delicate falsetto which is always on the edge of breaking like it's really really close to breaking these performances they they clear they weren't trying to capture the most technically um astute performance they weren't trying to capture the best performance from a technical point of view they were trying it's clear that they were trying to um capture the performance that had the most gravitas and had the most emotional impact and Mm -hmm. i think on every single one of these songs i mean if there was a a, a performance more um uh, gut-wrenching than any of the ones on this album i i I think i would struggle to listen to it. It, it this is a really heavy record just not yeah. in a not in a demu borger sense or anything like that or no. an entombed sense i i i'm glad you brought up extremity in music because i mean actually citadel the second to last song the riff on that is is a, is a doom metal riff it's just played <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's just played with a completely different instrument and it's a fucking massive juxtaposition in style and it's really cool and it ends up maybe being when it's quiet maybe being the quietest song on an incredibly quiet record but then it does get quite aggressive i mean within the context of this record again within the context of this record it does get quite aggressive and again you know the dynamic range of this is it must be so difficult to create that using such sparse since such sparsity and i think she does that brilliantly i mean there's that story of when they recorded something in the way 
and Kurt went and for Nirvana on Nevermind and Kurt went in and led on his back on a pillow yeah and held the mic right up to his mouth and basically sung it like that and I, I can imagine those songs these songs being created in that way as well that's an that's an extreme intense way to create your music you know what but it some... doesn't need it doesn't need to be screamed and shouted at you for it still to be for those levels of intensity to be in the red yeah something in the way by nirvana is actually a very good shout in terms of the approach i think mm. uh, because there's something that feels so delicate and like like at any moment something could snap you know um about that song in a way and there's a tension with these songs i i think to be honest i think emma ruth rundle does it even better and i would also say i mean this is going to be controversial to some but i think every single song on this record is is a better song than something in the way personally um but i think the, the that idea of the tension and i think any musician will tell you that playing quietly is so much harder than playing loud I mean, I mean that like whatever it is, I mean, particularly in percussion and stuff like that, obviously there isn't any percussion on this record, so that's kind of irrelevant, but playing quietly is so much more difficult than playing loud. And that, that idea that like at any point, one single bum note is just going to make the entire thing sound <laughs> awful, basically. And obviously though, I'm sure those bum notes happened in the studio. They're obviously not on this record, but I think it'd be very, very interesting seeing Emma on this tour because I think there's going to be such a tension in terms of how um how delicate these songs are. Just the slightest mm. bum note or the slightest thing could could ruin it, them. But not to is, not to intimidate her in that sense, but no. I think it could look it like... It is really hard, though. I mean, yeah. I, when, I, when I was in a band, we tried to cover... We we couldn't do it in the end because I just couldn't do it. But we tried to cover Man Overboard by far. And I was yeah. like, well, it'll be all right because the first bit is going... He never... Ever... And that actually... It wasn't the... Man Overboard yeah, yeah, bit yeah. that I struggled with. It was the all the other... And they were like... you you got to make people got to hear you as well. And I was like, well, I can either do it, like sing it. And then it doesn't really sound right. Or I'm just going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. And they're like, so you got to sing louder, but quieter. And yeah, I was like, exactly. I can't, I can't fucking do it. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it will be interesting. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh, this is, this is a really, really good record. I think like for me, it took me, a, it took me a few listens. I'm not going to lie. It took me a few listens. At first I was just, a little bit thrown off kilter by the fact that it was such a such a stylistic deviation the stylistic deviation was such that i just was constantly shocked by it not offended not upset you get that thing with artists don't you you get that thing where you're like i know what you are and i love that thing you do and i'm interested to see what you do with that next time you you come back what we've got here is not that what mm. we've got here is somebody going forget what you know mm. i'm doing something different and that is brilliant that's absolutely yeah. to be that's absolutely to be applauded it's just at first you might go oh whoa, 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 hold on hold on hold on hold on or at least i did anyway there were moments where i was like this is obviously really good but it did take me kind of three four listens when i was just like just listen to it as a record where not because you know, not only do you have to, if you're a fan of Emma Ruth Randall, not only do you have to kind of 
get yourself on board with this stylistic change, you also have to navigate just how difficult and challenging and quiet a record this is. We, when we spoke about Mole, and I was saying, oh, Mole are a band who, finally a black metal band who wrap their arms around you and go, come on in to the listener. Yeah. This record is not a come on in record. Mm. Go to it. Don't expect it to come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah And And so with that in mind, that, that would be my, it's not a criticism, but that would be my suggestion to anyone who is attempting to take this record in. Yes. That, I think for, by by the fourth listen, you still might be going, okay, I get it more, but is it actually any good? I and think I would say to you, like, you will eventually realise that yes, it is very, very good, but it's not gonna, you're not gonna get that a couple of listens in. Yeah, I, I think there are people w- who will struggle with the starkness and the bleakness of this record, but then you know, uh, most most brilliant art isn't written for everybody <laughs> you know they're, 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 there's like the most great i mean if, if you do try and write stuff for for everyone then you come up with quite boring material quite often and the, lincoln park i just smashed my fucking elbow on the edge of my <laughs> desk by the way if you're wondering why i just went oh, a funny face. <laughs> fucking funny bone as well cunt <laughs> Sorry, Renfrey. That's all right. I've und- I've undermined your point. But uh, no, it's fine. Go on. Um, what 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 was my point? What was I saying? Well, you were just saying that, that, that challenging music is often not something which is uh, yeah. It is or the best music isn't always necessarily something that that people can just kind of switch on and go. Oh, great! I get it. I can see a lot of people. I can I can see some people going, oh, it's just so sad, isn't it? And it's so bleak and blah blah blah. But that's sort of where the extremity of it comes in, isn't it? The fact mm. that it's it doesn't it doesn't let you off the hook at any point, really. Um, and I think that there's a genuineness to that. That that that's that's how things are and how things can be sometimes i think there's something mm. really beautiful in that melancholy that's a good point that i've only just noticed i do think the first couple of times i was a bit like you're gonna at least have to give me one sort of brighter sounding song because you're so good at them just give me one and you don't get it and so i was a bit like is it really there's nothing i'm, I'm really not gonna get anything really oh okay and but then you know it's replaced by something different but you know i i think people who tell artists what they should and shouldn't write about are the worst oh yeah and i and i'm always want to hear the perspective of that person completely unfiltered yeah, but, so exactly. i'm i'm absolutely not moaning about that at all and like i'm i'm not moaning about it you you accept it kind of warts and all what but i was at first i was maybe like I've, I've sort of shook myself out of it now but at first i was like would quite like a like a really beautiful like a really kind of stirringly beautiful song it's not a, exactly a stirring album is it it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's different it's not the right album for that i get i get what you're no. saying i understand what you're saying mm. but it's not the right record for that and it's not where she is like i i assume from listening to this album and uh, and i think the fact that um i mean look emma's lyrics and emma's music has always been very 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 um uh stark and very uh 
very very open like almost like an open wound kind of thing but but she's really taken that to the nth degree with this record and i think it's a really astonishing piece of work as a result um this record i i liked it immediately but there certainly was a sense that it crept up on me and crept up on me definitely feels like the right way to put it because it's so quiet and it's so uh it's just so so fragile it feels fragile this album mm. uh and i think that is a uh an extraordinarily difficult thing to capture um and to me it's far more uh emotionally resonant than someone screaming in my face or something like that i mean they're different things and i like both of those things but i i, th- I think this is a, a really extraordinary album absolutely like really extraordinary and it's really difficult to mark it up against her other the the other albums in her back catalogue because it does sound very very different but i think there's a strong argument to say that it's absolutely one of her best and will endure for the people who do really like that sort of thing and let's face it i mean i think emma ruth rundle's fans are very um au fait with bleakness and melancholy anyway it's not as if she's ever done anything super happy i don't think so i I think it works perfectly for her and i think this is a really astonishing really astonishing record um which takes a total left turn this is what this is you know someone uh experimenting a little bit with um their sound and their signature style and going off in a different direction and getting every single note right every single point of it right i i absolutely adore this record um i don't want to go too much into end of year lists and stuff like this but i think uh i got this album just prior to us doing the metal hammer albums of the year list and it ended up there in there in a very high position indeed um and i partly wanted to put it in because i want those idiot metal fans to listen to it <laughs> uh, just to spite them um but i i also just think it's a i think it's an absolutely incredible piece of i just think it's an incredible piece of work which is which it is really good barely has any parallels at all i mean pj harvey and talk talk yes i can see that absolutely but i don't think most artists are brave enough to go in this direction and the fact that she has i think is astonishing I think we've done a few over time. Uh, Bill Callahan was a very quiet album. It's a, that, that was a much more kind of uh, wistful record. Wasn't that's it? more and, that's more lo-fi than yeah, emotionally yeah. bare. I mean, I mean, I liked the Bill Callahan record a lot, but I didn't feel like he was eviscerating his soul. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, that's true. I struggle to think of many, many artists who've got anywhere near this kind of emotional vulnerability and recorded it and i mean even mark hollis and pj harvey i'm not sure if they have i think maybe i think i know that um she's a big fan of uh patrick walker from warning Mm -hmm. and i think patrick walker does that kind of thing so maybe there's a a similarity there I, i have to admit i haven't heard loads of patrick's solo stuff um but it's 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 really bleak and emotionally uh 
very very open but i think that's it's astonishing power that will put some people off but that's exactly why it's a great record what was the name of that album um oh what's it fucking called uh a crow looked at me that's the one isn't it a crow looked at me it's more of a kind of again it's a bit more the mount eerie album but that is that is really 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 hard to listen okay. to I'm not and sure that is that. that that is essentially just um phil is the guy's name the one the 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 guy um yeah but um, but even that has more instrumentation on it you know that's got bass and drum program drums and acoustic guitar and a bit of electric guitar and accordion and yeah keys and stuff on it as well well well, just one last point before we finish up because i don't want to give people the wrong impression because we talked about how stark it is and bleak it is and blah blah blah. do you think this is a difficult record to listen to because i personally think that the the beauty in the melodies and the piano lines and the guitar lines and even in her singing voice is so it's just so no no mellifluous and beautiful that i think that juxtaposition yeah, Makes it's not sense. a difficult record. It's not a difficult record to listen no, to. No, it's not swans. I think it's, it's not I, but, No, 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 no. It's not a difficult rec- record to listen to at all. It's actually a, a, a lovely sounding record yeah. once you get into the yeah. songs and stuff. Yeah. But I think it's 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 a challenge. I think it's a challenging record. Is, is, is yes. more say it because it is so it is so a t- it's so against the archetype of what records are meant to sound like in a lot of ways you know what i mean like the loud of what we're used well, to minute, hearing minute, of what we're yeah. used to hearing yeah. yeah yeah and particularly from her uh anyway i think it's really good i think you maybe like it slightly more than me but um i really do like it a lot yeah, yeah. engine of hell by emma ruth Rundle. while you were talking now i was listening but i have ordered myself a pizza so i think <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> yes ah <laughs> uh, it's all coming up chumps for me boy order the pizza and some some sides as well. Oh, lovely! I've got a fucking hangover remedy. Yes, in, yes, yes, yes. Which we have mentioned twice. We've just recorded two podcasts back to back. You probably, I mean, if you were to write your own album now, it would probably have the exact same amount of pain and uh, bleakness mm. to it. It would just be about record. how much you want to eat these. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> dairy milk fingers, <laughs> lovely stuff. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back with another review of something very soon. Uh, go and check this album out. Let us know what you think as well. We should say that as well at the end. We should say go and let us know. Find us on our socials and tell us what you think about the record once you've listened to it. Are we right? Are we off the mark completely are you loving this record do you not like it as much we would like to know what you think about all those things but anyway yes thank you very much for listening and we will see you another time bye now